everybody. Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Uh, we're here today in Matthew chapter 11. It says, When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's house. What then did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before me. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds." Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our nugget of truth for today, we're going to focus on this concept of the hidden faith that we see here in Matthew chapter 11. And uh, what do I mean by that, the hidden faith? If we look at this uh, passage in several places, uh, there's a focus on the fact that not everyone who is seeing uh, or hearing events are truly understanding them for what they are. Uh, We see that case with the messengers that come from John the Baptist, as well as even Jesus' own word. And so as we think through this concept of this hidden faith, I want to draw your attention to two sections. Uh, First one is in verse 15. Uh, And so this is the concept of uh, true ears to hear. Uh, And as Jesus is speaking here about this whole section, uh, about what did people come to see when they went to go see John, uh, what were they looking at, what was his purpose, all these different things, he said, he who has ears to hear let him hear. 
So what we have here is this focus on this concept that there are some who are actually uh, present and seeing or hearing things that are not truly understanding what is taking place. Uh, and that's something that's very common with Jesus, as many of his miracles, many of the purposes of the communications that he had, the messages that he shared, um, were not understood fully for what they meant. Uh, and that's because people were looking for something different than what Jesus was offering. Uh, but instead, he is saying and calling those to true belief who are understanding them for what they are. Uh, in this case, he's not actually saying that John is Elijah. He's not saying that John the Baptist is Elijah reincarnate or that Elijah has returned. Uh, as we know that he actually didn't die. He was called up to heaven uh, in the chariots of fire and the horsemen that accompanied that. But as we look here at this section, he's saying he is the messenger or the one who will come in the way of Elijah. Uh, and as we focus on this thought, he's saying if you are believing in that, if you're believing in the messenger, the one who is preparing the way, he is the one who must come in that sense. And so as he's focusing on this, uh, it's something that they're comparing uh, those who are hearing uh, with those who are understanding. And so there's a difference there of, of true belief and true acknowledgement of what's happening in their midst. Uh, and then we move on to a second facet of this, which might seem like, hey, this is going exactly against what we talked about yesterday. Uh, as we said, there's so much of the Christian faith that is uh, focusing on our perspective of dealing with the hardships and things around us. But when we harmonize that with what we're going to talk about here in a second, we'll see that truly the meaning is still the same of what these two things are. Uh, and the second part is here is verses 25 through the end focuses in on this concept of the hidden things. And so when we look back here in verse 25, it says, I thank you, Lord, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Uh, and so as we look at this concept, there's this hidden truth or this hidden faith that's actually being given to others. And as he hides it, he's hiding it from the religious elite, those who think that they're worthy of uh, what they seek, those who are seeking to claim it by ritual or by the observance of uh, different traditions. Uh, but instead, it's those people who understand uh, their spiritual bankruptcy. They understand that they uh, must humbly come before the Lord, um, that those are the ones who are seemingly considering themselves as nothing, who are actually going to receive the faith that they seek. Uh, and he says here that those who come to them, the ones who are laboring, the ones that are wearing and, and bearing the guilt of their sin are doing that because they realize that it's only through what Christ will do that they will receive the salvation that they seek. And so as we look at this passage here, he's once again showing this reversal that's taking place uh, that we've talked about in previous days, as well as this concept of, of faith being hidden and not necessarily the most visible people or the ones we would expect to be the ones who are receiving that. But this, this focus here on the fact that what is happening is these people are coming to them knowing that they can do nothing, knowing that they have 
uh, this unbearable weight of sin in their life, they're coming and they're laying that before the Lord. And instead of bearing the bondage of sin, they're yoking themselves to Christ, putting themselves in that symbolic relationship where he will be the one who carries them through what they have to deal with. And so instead of saying, hey, I'm going to do this by myself through my religious obedience, through my traditions, through my rituals, through all of these other things that the Jewish system had put into place and that the people were following that time, Instead, he's saying what you're needing to do is yoke yourself to something that is actually going to solve that issue. And that is Christ. And so he says, as they humbly come, as they humbly come as those who are like little children, knowing that they have great needs, knowing that they need things provided for them, they're coming to yoke themselves to Christ and he will bear the burden of that because he is the one who is able to bring about the true faith in their lives, and to bring about the true salvation, the true growth, and the true life that they seek. And so while you might say, hey, Jesus is saying, hey, it's going to be easy for you. He's saying, no, it will be easy as I walk alongside with you through this. But part of that is maintaining that perception that he is still with us at each of those sections. And so as we work through trials and tribulation and turmoil in our lives, we understand that we're doing that yoked to Christ. We're doing that as his children, as those who he has equipped, as those he has redeemed, as those he has called to live in obedience. And so as we endure persecution, as we work through the sinfulness of this world, as we live in light of that, we're not being removed from all that suffering, but instead we're understanding that as we walk through that, we do not do that alone, but instead we do that with the Lord by our side. And so that allows us to have the perspective of understanding that it's light and momentary afflictions that we're dealing with that are going to pale in comparison to the rewards that we have in our eternal life. And so Jesus is saying that that perspective Perspective will give you that rest. It will give you that opportunity to understand this temporary nature of our suffering and the great opportunity for us to be preparing for eternal rest as well as the different rewards that we have in heaven for obedience. And so hopefully that is a nugget of truth that is encouraging to you, that is focused here in this passage as we understand that there's some who will believe, some who will understand, uh, and some who will not. There's also great wisdom and the humility that he's calling for here as we seek and approach the Lord and what's going on. And so we could possibly even at times be discouraged by the fact that we're surrounded by those who are seen and who are experiencing things of the Lord, but are not responding in true faith. But we'll be talking about that at a, at a future date. And so I don't want to take too much away from that right now, but I do want to acknowledge that that is something that could be on your hearts uh, as you're reading through this passage. And so one of the things that is a common question that's coming up out of this passage too kind of deals with those unrepentant cities that are up there. And so you might be asking, hey, what is this? that he's pronouncing these woes upon these cities. And so specifically, there's three that are mentioned here, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, places in which Jesus would be doing miracles. He would be presenting the truth of the gospel in these areas. And these people are experiencing a manifestation of God in such a way that has not been experienced before. And his point of this is, hey, these different places that God brought great judgment. We look at Tyre and Sidon, we can see that in Ezekiel 
Ezekiel 26 through 28, the judgment that's brought upon those places, as well as obviously Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom is the only one that's mentioned here, but that was a paired judgment from the Lord that was poured out upon those two cities. And so as we think about this, what he's saying is, hey, you as the people in these cities, if you are not understanding what's taking place in your midst, you're really missing the point of why Jesus is present. And so these three cities are being called out as examples of kind of what we talked about here in the rest of this section about what's up with these unbelieving people that are there. And so these three cities are representative of those who don't have ears to hear, eyes to see what's truly happening in their midst. But the big point is, hey, if God would do the mighty works that he's done in your midst right here, in these places that he brought this massive judgment on, man, those places would have really truly responded to what had been exposed to them. And so once again, a kind of a focus there on the judgment, but big questions sometimes about, hey, why is Jesus calling out these cities? What's happening there? Why would that be something there? And so hopefully if that was a question you had, uh, that's been answered. Um, yeah, as always, if you are following us, we're focusing on this one chapter. We're looking at the one nugget of truth. We're asking you to come up with one question, seeking that answer, answering that either with another person or finding the resources that can provide that answer for you. And then sharing what you've learned, sharing this with somebody else so that the truth of the gospel goes forth boldly with you. I know as you go, you are loved. You're-